Welcome to Volume 8 of Sky Island. Chapter 20. Gip Gizzle has a bad time. The Boolaroo was quite busy at the time the Pinkies invaded his country. He had discovered the loss of the Book of Records, and after being frightened most to death at the prospect of his fraud on the peoples being made public, he decided to act boldly and hold his position as Boolaroo at any cost. Since Gip Gizzle was the next Boolaroo, the king suspected him first of all. So he had the major domo bound with cords and brought before him when he accused him of stealing the book of records. Of course, Gip Gizzle denied taking the book, but he became almost as nervous at its loss as had the Boolaroo. He secretly believed that Button Bright had taken the book from the treasure chamber, and if this were true, it might prove as great a misfortune as if the king had kept it locked up, for Button Bright had escaped into the fog bank, and Gip Gizzle was afraid the boy would never again be seen in the blue country. He did not tell the Boolaroo of his suspicions, because in that case the king would realize he was secure, and that his deception could never be proved against him. The major-domo simply denied taking the record book, and the Boolaroo did not believe he spoke truly. To prevent his rival from ever becoming the ruler of the Blue Country, the Boolaroo determined to have him patched, but for some time he could find no other Blueskin to patch him with. No one had disobeyed a command or done anything wrong, so the king was in a quandary until he discovered that a servant named Tiggle had mixed the royal nectar for Captain Bill who had been ordered to do it at the time of his capture. This was sufficient excuse for the Boolaroo, who at once had Tiggle made a prisoner and brought before him. The servant was not so long-legged as Gip Gazizzle, and his head was thicker and his nose flatter, but that pleased the Boolaroo all the more. He realized that when the great knife sliced the prisoners in two and their halves were patched together, they would present a ridiculous sight and all the Blueskins would laugh at them and avoid them. So, on the very morning that the Pinkies arrived, the Boolaroo had ordered his two prisoners brought into the room of the palace where the great knife stood, and his soldiers were getting ready to perform the operation of patching Gip Gazizzle with Tiggle, when a messenger came running in to say that a great army of the Pinkies had broken through the fog bank. Never mind, said the Boolaroo, I'll attend to them in a minute. I'm busy now. They're marching on the city, said the frightened messenger. If you delay, most high and mighty one, we shall all be captured. You, you, you better save your city first and do your patching afterwards. What? roared the Boolaroo. Dare you dictate to me? But he was impressed by the man's logic. After locking the prisoners, who were still bound, in the room of the great knife, the ruler hurried away to assemble his soldiers. By this time the Pinkies had advanced halfway to the walls of the city, so the first thing the Boolaroo did was to order all the gates closed and locked, and then he placed a line of soldiers on the wall to prevent any of the Pinkies from climbing over. Therefore, when Captain Bill's army reached the wall, he was obliged to halt his ranks until he could find a way to enter the city. Now when the Boolaroo looked through the blue steel bars of the main gate and saw the enemy armed with sharp-pointed sticks, he began to tremble, and when he thought how painful it would be to have his body, arms, and legs prodded and pricked with such weapons, he groaned aloud and was very miserable.
but the thought occurred to him that if he could avoid being caught by the pinkies, they would be unable to harm him. So he went among his people and reminded them how horrible it would feel to be punched full of holes by the invaders, and urged them to fight desperately and drive the pinkies back into the fog bank. Only a few of the blueskins were soldiers, and these all belonged to the king's bodyguard. But the citizens realized they must indeed fight bravely to save themselves from getting hurt, so they promised the Bularu to do all they could. They armed themselves with long cords, having weights fastened to the ends, and practiced throwing them at their enemies. Also, they assembled in the streets in small groups and told each other in frightened whispers that all their trouble was due to the Bularu's cruel treatment of the earth people. If he had received them as friends instead of making them slaves, they would never have escaped to the Pinkies and brought an army into the Blue Country that they might be revenged. The Blueskins had not liked their Bularu before this, and now they began to hate him, forgetting they had also treated the strangers in a very disagreeable manner. Meanwhile, the six snub-nosed princesses had seen from their rooms in a tower of the palace the army of the Pinkies marching upon them, and the sight had served to excite them greatly. They had been quarreling bitterly among themselves all morning, and strangely enough, this quarrel was all about which of them should marry Gip Gizizzle. They knew that some day the Major Domo would become Bularu, and each one of the six had determined to marry him so as to be queen, and thus force her sisters to obey her commands. They paid no attention to the fact that Gib Gizizzle did not want to marry any of them, for they had determined that when it was agreed who should have him, they would ask their father to force the man to marry. While they quarreled in one room of the palace, Gip Gazizzle was in danger of being patched in another room, but the six snub-nosed princesses did not know that. The arrival of the Pinkies gave them something new to talk about, so they hurried downstairs and along the corridors so as to gain the courtyard and take part in the exciting scenes. But as they passed the closed door of the room of the great knife, they heard a low moan and stopped to listen. The moan was repeated, and, being curious, they unlocked the door, the key having been left on the outside, and entered the room. At once the pinkies were forgotten, for there upon the floor, tightly bound, lay Gip Gazizzle, and beside him poor Tiggle, who had uttered the moans. The six princesses sat down in a circle facing the captives, and Cerulea said, Gip, we will release you on one condition, that you choose a wife from among us and promise to marry the one selected, as soon as the pinkies are driven back into the fog bank. Gip Gazizzle managed to shake his head, and then he said, Really, ladies, you must excuse me. I'd rather be patched than mismatched, as I would be with a lovely snub-nosed wife. You're too beautiful for me. Go seek your husbands elsewhere. Monster! cried Indigo. If you choose me, I'll scratch your eyes out. If you choose me, said Cobalt in a rage, I'll tear your hair out by the roots. If I'm your wife, screamed Asher, I'll mark your obstinate face with my fingernails. And I, said Turquoise passionately, will pound your head with a broomstick. I'll shake him till his teeth rattle, shrieked Sapphire. The best way to manage a husband, observed Cerulea angrily, is to pull his nose. Ladies, said Gipka Zizzle when he had a chance to speak, 
Don't anticipate your pleasures, I beg you, for I shall choose none among you for my wife. We'll soon see about that, said Indigo. I think you will soon change your mind, added Azure. I'm going to be patched to Tiggle here as soon as the Bolaroo returns, said Gipgizzizzle, and it's against the law for a patched man to marry anybody, if he regarded as half bigamy. Dear me, cried Cobalt, if he's ever patched, he can never be Bolaroo. Well, then he mustn't be patched, declared Sapphire. We must save him from that fake girls and force him to decide among us. Otherwise, none of us can ever be queen. This being evident, they proceeded to unbind the long legs of Gip Gizzizzle, leaving his body and arms, however, tied fast together. Then between them, they got him upon his feet and led him away, paying no attention to poor Tiggle, who whined to be released so he could fight in the war. After a hurried consultation, the six snub-nosed princesses decided to hide the major-domo in one of their boudoirs, so they dragged him up the stairs to their reception room and fell to quarreling as to whose boudoir should be occupied by their captive. Not being able to settle the question, they finally locked him up in a vacant room across the hall and told him he must stay there until he had decided to marry one of the princesses and could make a choice among them. Chapter 21 The Capture of Captain Bill While this was transpiring in the palace, Captain Bill and the Pinkies had encamped before the principal gate of the city, and a tent had been pitched for Trot and Button Bright and Rosalie. The army had been very fearful and weak-kneed when it first entered the Blue Country, but perceiving that the Bularuna's people were afraid of them and had locked themselves up in the city, the Pinkies grew bolder and longed to make an attack. One of them, in his curiosity to examine the blue city, got a little too near the wall, and a blue soldier threw his cord and weight at him. The cord didn't wind around the pinky as he was too far off, but the weight hit him in the eye and made him howl lustily as he trotted back to his comrades at full speed. After this experience, the invaders were careful to keep a safe distance from the wall. The Bularoo, having made all preparations to receive the enemy, was annoyed because they held back. He was himself so nervous and excited that he had become desperate, and after an hour of tedious waiting, during which time he pranced about impatiently, he decided to attack the hated pinkies and rid the country of them. Their dreadful color makes me hysterical, he said to the soldiers. So if I'm to have any peace of mind, we must charge the foe and drive them back into the fog bank. But take all the prisoners you can, my brave men, and tomorrow we'll have a jolly time batching them. Don't be afraid. Those pink creatures have no blue blood in their veins, and they'll run like rabbits when they see us coming. Then he ordered the gate thrown open, and immediately the blueskins poured out into the open plain and began to run toward the pinkies. The Bularoo went out too, but he kept well behind his people, remembering the sharp sticks with which the enemy was armed. Captain Bill was alert and had told his army what to do in case of an attack. The Pinkies did not run like rabbits, but formed a solid line and knelt down with their long sharp sticks pointed directly toward the Blueskins, the other ends being firmly set upon the ground. Of course the Blueskins couldn't run against these sharp points, so they halted a few feet away and began to swing their cord and weights. 
But the pinkies were too close together to be caught in this manner, and now, by command of Captain Bill, they suddenly rose to their feet and began jabbing their sticks at the foe. The blueskins hesitated until a few got pricked and began to yell in terror. When the whole of the Boolaroo's attacking party turned and ran back to the gate, their ruler reaching it first of all. The pinkies tried to chase them, but their round, fat legs were no match for the long, thin legs of the blueskins, who quickly gained the gate and shut themselves up in the city again. It's evident, panted the Boolaroo, facing the defeated soldiers wrathfully, that you're a pack of cowards. But we followed your own royal example in running, sir, replied the captain. I merely ran back to the city to get a drink of water, for I was thirsty, declared the Boolaroo. So, so did we! So did we! cried the soldiers eagerly. We, we were, were all thirsty! Your high and mighty spritey and flighty majesty, remarked the captain respectfully. It occurs to me that the weapons of the pinkies are superior to our own. What we need, in order to oppose them successfully, is a number of sharp sticks, which are longer than theirs. True, true, exclaimed the Boolaroo enthusiastically. Get to work at once, and make yourselves long, sharp sticks, and then we will attack the enemy again. So the soldiers and citizens all set to work preparing long, sharp sticks. And while they were doing that, Rosalie the witch had a vision in which she saw exactly what was going on inside the city wall. Queen Trot, Captain Bill, and Button Bright saw the vision as well, for they were all in the tent together, and the sight made them anxious. What can be done? asked the girl. The blueskins are bigger and stronger than the pinkies, and if they have sharp sticks, which are longer than ours, they will surely defeat us. I have but one magic charm, said Rosalie thoughtfully. That will save our army. But I'm allowed to work only one magic charm every three days, not oftener. And perhaps I'll need the magic for other things. Strikes me, ma'am, returned the sailor, that what we need most on this expedition is to capture the blue skins. If we don't, we'll need plenty of magic to get us back to the pink country. But if we do, we can take care of ourselves without magic. Very well, replied Rosalie. I'll take your advice, Captain, and enchant the weapons of the pinkies. She then went out and had all the pinkies come before her. One by one, she enchanted their sharp sticks by muttering some cabalistic words and making queer passes with her hands over the weapons. Now, she said to them, you will be powerful enough to defeat the blueskins, whatever they may do. The pinkies were overjoyed at this promise, and it made them very brave indeed, since they now believed they would surely be victorious. When the Boolaroo's people were armed with long, thin lances of blue wood, all sharpened to fine points at one end, they prepared to march once more against the invaders. Their sticks were twice as long as those of the pinkies, and the Boolaroo chuckled with glee to think what fun they would have in punching holes in the round, fat bodies of his enemies. Out from the gates they marched very boldly and pressed on to attack the pinkies, who were drawn up in line of battle to receive them with Captain Bill at their head. When the opposing forces came together, however, and the blueskins pushed their points against the pinkies, the weapons, which had been enchanted by Rosalie, began to whirl in swift circles, so swift that the eyes could scarcely follow the motion. 
The result was that the lances of the Bulurus people could not touch the pinkies, but were thrust aside with violence, and either broken in two, or sent hurtling through the air in all directions. Finding themselves so suddenly disarmed, the amazed blueskins turned about and ran again, while Captain Bill, greatly excited in his victory, shouted to his followers to pursue the enemy, and hobbled after them as fast as he could make his wooden leg go, swinging his sharp stick as he advanced. The blues were in such a frightened, confused mass that they got in one another's way and could not make very good progress on the retreat, so the old sailor caught up with them and began jabbing at the crowd with his stick. Unfortunately, the Pinkies had not followed their commander, being for the moment dazed by their success, so that Captain Bill was all alone among the blueskins when he stepped his wooden leg into a hole in the ground and tumbled full length, his sharp stick flying from his hand and pricking the Boolaroo in the leg as it fell. At this, the Boolaroo stopped short in his flight to yell in terror, but seeing that only the sailor man was pursuing them and that the solitary foe had tumbled flat upon the ground, he issued a command, and several of his people fell upon poor Cap'n Bill, seized him in their long arms, and carried him struggling in the city where he was fast bound. Then a panic fell upon the Pinkies at the loss of their leader, and Trot and Button Bright called out in vain for them to rescue Cap'n Bill. By the time the army recovered their wits and prepared to obey, it was too late, and although Trot ran with them in her eagerness to save her friend, the gate was found to be fast barred, and she knew it was impossible for them to force an entrance into the city. So she went back sorrowfully to the camp, followed by the Pinkies, and asked Rosalie what could be done. Sure, I don't know, replied the witch. I can't use another magic charm until three days have expired. But if they don't harm Captain Bill during that time, I believe I can then find a way to save him. Three days is a long time, remarked Trot dismally. The Boolaroo may decide to patch him at once, added Button Bright with equal sadness, for he too mourned the sailor's loss. Can't be helped, replied Rosalie. Not a fairy, my dears, merely a witch. And so, my magic powers are limited. We can only hope that the Boolaroo won't patch Captain Bill for three days. When night settled down upon the camp of the Pinkies, where many tents had been pitched, all the invaders were filled with gloom. The band tried to enliven them by playing the Dead March, but it was not a success. The Pinkies were despondent, in spite of the fact that they had repulsed the attack of the Blues, for as yet they had not succeeded in gaining the city, or finding the magic umbrella, and the blue dusk of this dreaded country, which was different from their own land of sunsets, made them all very nervous. They saw the moon rise for the first time in their lives, and its cold, silvery radiance made them shudder and prevented them from going to sleep. Trot tried to interest them by telling them that on Earth the people had both sun and moon and loved them both, but nonetheless it is certain that had not the terrible fog bank stood between them and the pink land, most of the invading army would have promptly deserted and gone back home. Trot couldn't sleep either, she was so worried over Cap'n Bill. She went back to the tent where Rosalie and Button Bright were sitting in the moonlight and asked the witch if there was no way in which she could secretly get into the City of the Blues and search for her friend. Rosalie thought it over for some time and then replied, We can make a rope ladder that will enable you to climb to the top of the wall. 
Then you can lower it to the other side and descend into the city. But if anybody should see you, you'll be captured. I'll risk that, said the child, excited at the prospect of gaining the side of Captain Bill in this adventurous way. Please, make the rope ladder at once, Rosalie. So the witch took some ropes and knotted together a ladder long enough to reach the top of the wall. When it was finished, the three, Rosalie, Trot, and Button Bright, stole into the moonlight and crept unobserved into the shadow of the wall. The blueskins were not keeping a very close watch, as they were confident the pinkies could not get into the city. The hardest part of Rosalie's task was to toss up one end of the rope ladder until it would catch on some projection at the top of the wall. There were few such projections, but after creeping along the wall for a distance, they saw the end of a broken flagstaff near the top edge. The witch tossed up the ladder, trying to catch this upon its point, and on the seventh attempt she succeeded. Good! cried Trot. Now I can climb up. Don't you want me to go with you? asked Button Bright a little wistfully. No, said the girl. You must stay to lead the army, and if you can think of a way, you must try to rescue us. Perhaps I'll be able to save Captain Bill myself, but if I don't, it's all up to you, Button Bright. I'll do my best, he promised. And here, keep my Polly till I come back, added Trot, giving him the bird. I can't take it with me, for it would be a bother. If I tried to spout poetry, I'd be discovered in a jiffy. As the beautiful witch kissed the little girl goodbye, she slipped upon her finger a curious ring. At once, Button Bright exclaimed, Where is she gone? I'm right here, said Trot's voice by his side. Can't you see me? No, said the boy, mystified. Rosalie laughed. It's a magic ring I've loaned you, my dear, she said. And as long as you wear it, you'll be invisible to all eyes, those of the blueskins and the pinkies alike. I'm going to let you wear this wonderful ring, for it will save you from being discovered by your enemy. If at any time you wish to be seen, take the ring from your finger. But as long as you wear it, no one can see you, not even Earth people. Thank you, cried Trot. That'll be fine. I see you have another ring on your hand, said Rosalie. And I perceived it's enchanted in some way. Where did you get it? The Queen of the Mermaids gave it to me, answered Trot. But Sky Island is so far away from the sea that the ring won't do me any good while I'm here. It's only to call the mermaids to me if I need them. They can't swim in the sky, you see. Rosalie smiled and kissed her again. Be brave, my dear. I'm sure you'll be able to find Captain Bill without getting in danger yourself. But be careful not to let any blue skin touch you, for while you're in contact with any person, you will become visible. Keep out of their way, and you'll be perfectly safe. Don't lose the ring, for you must give it back to me when you return. It's one of my witchcraft treasures, and I need it for my business. That ring is only one of a kind, and I wouldn't be able to replace it. It's precious to me. And Trot climbed the ladder, although neither Button Bright nor Rosalie could see her do so. And when she was up to the top of the broad wall, she pulled up the knotted ropes and began to search for a place to let it down on the other side. A little way off, she found a bluestone seat near to the inner edge of the wall, and attaching the ladder to this, she easily descended and found herself in the blue city. A guard was pacing up and down near her, but as he could not see the girl, he of course paid no attention to her. So after marking the place where the ladder hung, that she might know how to reach it again, Trot hurried away 
through the streets of the city.